0: following is a presentation of the belly sports media network
1: and welcome in everybody to another episode of the high low sports podcast we appreciate y'all joining us here on this wednesday evening or if you're checking us out later on in the week on one of your favorite podcast podcast playing devices as well we've got a lot to talk about today it is dj joined of course by my co-host kelsey and kelsey we got some champions crowned. We got some interesting rank. We got some rankings that we haven't done in a little bit. By all, by that I mean like maybe two two weeks. And we got a little bit of recaps to go, and just you know, we got a lot of fun stuff to talk talk about today. It's a little bit of a an older school show compared to what we've done.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's hey, look, NBA finals just finished up. NHL uh, Stanley Cup finals just finished up as well. Uh, shout out Las Vegas Golden Knights. So a couple kings crowned there, if you will. Um, yeah, you get, you got a whole lot of stuff happening in, in the sports world, getting ready to happen in the sports world in the NBA's case or the NFL's case, I guess, if you look at it that way, but no, it's, 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 it's interesting to watch. Um, you got like all sorts of baseball games going on. You have governmental baseball games going on too. So, you know, it's, it's, it's the time of year for sports and, and here we are, uh, two, two cities get to celebrate a championship, two cities get to celebrate a failure. So, uh, kind of, kind of tough, tough break for two of those, but two of them. I guess, congratulations, too.
1: So, you got congressional baseball, you got major league baseball, you got college baseball, you got a little bit of everything right now as well, too, going on on the diamond as well. But we're going to get into some of that stuff another time today. We're going to go ahead right into the tip off here because the tip off, you know, is the perfect name for our first segment. Tip off, of course, brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. Use code Bally of SPORTS for $20 off your first order there to see any of those baseball games or other events in person. And reason we're going right into that first and for the tip off is because we're going to talk basketball. As you did mention the Golden Knights getting crowned, well, the Denver Nuggets, with their first ever crowning moment earlier this week, as they took care of Miami, not one, not two, not three, not four, but five games, they were able to dispatch of the Miami Heat. And honestly, with the exception of a few handful, of minutes, they made it look pretty easy for the most part.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was uh, surprisingly easy, uh, I think it's safe to say. Uh surprising both of us, to say the least we definitely had the heat at least showing up showing something in this, in this one, but uh, right. They really didn't show anything after game two. Uh, You kind of had hope maybe after game two, that there was going to be something happening now. No, lo and behold, that's not the case. Jimmy. Well, we'll talk about Jimmy in a second, but the Joker, I mean, Jokic, what he was doing is just absolutely astronomical. Um, Nobody, I don't know if anybody's ever had that type of performance in a finals at, at that level. And, You you couldn't stop them. And and as much as they tried, they really did try to stop them. They tried to cut off, you know, all the arms to the passing lane. They tried to just shut down Jokic himself. Couldn't do either one of those things. And at that point in time, it's just, well, hopefully their shots don't fall. And even when their shots didn't fall, guess what? They still won in game five. And, well, that's just right to the end of that one. And Denver fans are way too excited about this one. And, And don't worry, Denver fans. Everybody's talking about you now. We're not talking about L.A
1: including we're talking about how some of your fans are getting shot after the game within like, you know, five, a mile of the stadium. But that's either near, here or there, like let's celebrate responsibly now. But some of the things I, I learned from this game as well, too, is you won a game one when you played your normal type of basketball, like everything kind of looks the same. you won when you had Jokic and Jamal Murray both get 30 point triple doubles. You won in a game where you only hit five threes, like you couldn't hit anything from three, but you managed to somehow hit everything from two. You won in a game where Miami was shooting very, very well. But you weren't shooting too well and you still found a way to win because of your defense down the stretch. Then you won then you won this last one. Just honestly, you couldn't shoot to hit the broad side of a barn, neither can Miami. You basically just outlasted them. You won in a defensive type of fair slash, a mediocre offense minus a few spurts here and there. They won in every single way possible. It's not like they just randomly got hot and couldn't miss. Like they checked every box you can imagine, which is surprising, especially on the defensive end. Cause when we think Denver, you don't exactly think defense necessarily, but they did everything you could have wanted. Jamal Murray was sensational. You mentioned Jokic was sensational. Bruce Brown was sensational. Like the only person who wasn't for Denver was Michael Porter Jr., and he was still pretty good with everything but scoring the ball. Good defense, good rebounding. Like did everything except shoot, which was which was kind of his forte. But everything else he did really well. So when we look at those, these NBA finals, it's this was the first time Miami looked like an eight seed. I think is the weird is what it was too against Milwaukee. They look like well, where did these guys come from? Against the Knicks, they're like, well, this is a pretty good team. Against Boston, obviously, the first three games, holy cow! The next three games, eh, a little shaky. Like they look more like a five seed, but they still close out this one. They look like an eight seed that got into the playoffs by the very last skin of their teeth on the second playing game. Like it's, for lack of better terms, the heat ran out. Like the the candle ran out. The candle went dry. Like they just, do you think they might have ran out of gas? Do you think that might have been the course of action? Considering we saw the Nuggets were basically quit playing for the last month of the season as they had the West locked up and. They didn't miss a beat the entire way.
0: I, I don't know if it's honestly. I, I don't know if you can blame it on that. Simply just blame it on that. I'm sure if you want to make excuses for them, yeah, sure. They ran out of gas. They had to play an extra two games that the Nuggets didn't have. Well, at least an extra two game by the playing mm-hmm. games that the Nuggets didn't have to play. They had to play it. You know, altitude, blah blah blah. If you You're ask every, every one of happen. the, you don't. Know, no one gets to use yeah. altitude. That's all. No every one every one of those every one of those Heat players and, and the coaching staff will tell you the same thing. We didn't hit our shots. We didn't take, take advantage of the opportunities we were given. And we ran up against an unstoppable force that is Nikola Jokic right now. Because, truthfully, like you could do everything, everything in their power to try to stop Nikola Jokic, and it didn't matter. I mean, if you weren't hitting your shots at at least a 50% clip, and that goes for three-point range as well, you were not going to stand a chance against these, this Nuggets team who was just absolutely clicking every single time down the court. The only time they weren't clicking was when Jokic had that minor ankle nagging injury in game five. And that was just like, okay, two quarters of Nikola Jokic not being Nikola Jokic, and then, oh, wait, he's still Nikola Jokic. Like, he's still the joker at the end of the game. And so, yeah, I mean, that doesn't help. Then you have Jamal Murray absolutely just playing lights out. And as you mentioned everybody else, Bruce Brown, I mean, come on. Once Bruce Brown comes in and gives you 20, uh, you're pretty you're pretty well just cooked at that point in time. Now, granted, I love Bruce Brown, but uh, I still, you know, no, I'm going to be honest, like, he's not – yeah, he's not the guy that needs to be scoring 20 for the Nuggets to win. Like, that's just outlandish to see. But then you had, you know, for the Heat, you had nobody show up on other than, what, Jimmy, Jimmy and Bam. Like, And even Jimmy was like, eh. It was like a, I'll show up through just pure shot consumption, but not through actual, like, performance. It just, it's like garbage points, basically. So, I mean, but yeah, Bam actually had a fantastic series. You can't really put the onus on him, but... At the same time, nobody else showed up for the Heat.
1: What's interesting, too, is they had one game where Jokic wasn't Jokic. I think it was game four because he was in foul trouble with five fouls early in the force. He only had, like, 20 points the 12 rebounds, as much as he could do. Then you let Aaron Gordon get 27, and Bruce Brown get, like, 21. So you gave 48 points up to those two. Like, they, you can't do that. It So it seemed like every step they took was the wrong step. And we did talk about Jimmy there for a minute, so I think it's a good point, good point to transition to that as well, too. Himmy McBuckets, Jimmy McBuckets, playoff Jimmy, Every all the anointments he had, Michael Jordan's long-lost son, everything they said about Lee, especially after that first round. And then it kind of went down and, for lack of a term, went down went down and kind of flamed out there at the end. The finals didn't have really a Jimmy performance. I think his high was 27, something like that, which is all right, 27, 28. But that last pretty game. Good,
0: pretty good at any point in time, and if, if you ask anybody else other than this playoff run.
1: And then the problem too is that the, game, the other games, you're getting like 17. We had a 14. And then this last game, five, two point, was it two for 15 going into the fourth quarter, eight points with six minutes left? And then you have a nice little spurt there for a couple of minutes before I'm going to call it an egregious three point shot when he took when you had 14 seconds left and 14 on the or 17 seconds, whatever it was on the play clock and the shot clock. And you hoist up a contested three, fading away. And then that turnover that happened before that as well, too. You, dry, you do the same thing. You get into the paint, you pump fake, and then you start pivoting around and hoping something changes. Denver, because they deal with Nikola Jokic and all of his pump fakes all the time, didn't jump. So then Jimmy is kind of stuck in no man's land. And we kind of said it all serious. Keep, keep your dribble, keep your feet. Either go strong into him or pass it out while you're dribbling. But we kind of saw right there that everything came to a So after this playoff run, do you feel like there was a little bit of a letdown? Do you think it was still pretty good and he just kind of maxed out? Or was it just more like... Meh, it is Jimmy Butler. We respect him. We like him a lot, but we're not putting him in that top five category anyway.
0: I mean, I think it was a fantastic run from Jimmy. All like, if you take out the finals, can we not say that this was one of the better performances we've ever seen in the playoffs? Just take out the finals. I mean, I mean, not even the whole finals. Take out ga- take out games three through five. Was this not one of the greatest single performances we've seen from a, a player throughout an entire playoffs? Because really. He carried his team. Like, yeah, sure, some of the knights were not great shooting nights as far as percentage goes, but he still ends up with twenty six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight points, thirty points, uh, you know, a fifty piece. Like it, he he absolutely ends up with with what was needed for his team to get to the get to the uh, the finals, but like, you know, people are people are, are are call you know, calling him a bust or whatnot. Like, look, Jimmy's never won anything. Let's be very clear about this. So the fact he even got to the finals, for a guy who has never won anything. Twice he's gotten to the finals. Twice he's come up short. But the fact he's been the guy leading the charge both times has a lot to say. If you just get him a consistent piece, because as much as I would like to say Bam could have been that consistent piece, it doesn't help you when he can't play defense against Nikola Jokic at all. Like, no, like don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that a lot of people could play defense, but there are few in the league that can absolutely play defense that you don't need a whole lot of their offense from them, but they can play defense on them down low. So if they could have just got some sort of consistent shooting out of their team we're talking we're completely talking about a, a different jimmy here it's not a jimmy a letdown it's it's jimmy the superstar potentially so I, I like i look at this as i'm not gonna say jimmy's a letdown i think he did everything he could and at the end of the day just like in the bubble he ran out of gas from carrying the team so far because uh, you know even gabe vincent and even when uh caleb martin were having their their fantastic performance who was giving their assists? who was getting 12 assists a night it was jimmy because nobody else on that team is giving assists so <laughs> it, you know yeah, don't well, Kyle was, Kyle was getting two or three assists a night. Like, he was not even getting above five. So, you know, that's... That's threes. Exactly. He's taking stupid threes. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I just, I look at this as Jimmy just, he did everything he could. Eventually, the the, the, the gas, you know, eventually runs out if you don't refill it. So, you get no support, nothing you can do at the, the end of the day.
1: Well, it was staggering to me as he had it. Basically after the first seven games, I think it was or so before he kind of tweaked that ankle a little bit, missed a game, then came back before that. He was obviously fantastic averaging 35. We saw he did to the bucks. Absolutely ridiculous early against the early against the Knicks. After that, he had the worst plus minus in the playoffs, which was so staggering to see considering we know how good he is. I think this kind of showed he's a he's a top 12 caliber player. I just think anyone who's trying to anoint him as a top three in an instant Hall of Famer might have been jumping the gun off of the playoff run. He's fantastic. He might be back next year. I mean, he was in an Eastern Conference Finals two years ago and one three-point shot away from making it to the finals just this last year. So I think obviously anyone who's trying to say he's a full letdown is getting a little exaggerated. The playoff, the the playoffs as a whole, great. Overall is a full arcing story. Wonderful story. The finals left a little bit to be desired just because there were times where it looked like Jimmy, are you trying? Like, are you just hanging out there? Like you would not even touch the ball sometimes, too. Like it's not a letdown, but a little bit like, huh. I was kind of hoping to see Jimmy Mitrupets there. I was hoping to see a thirty piece, and he'd give you like he'd give you twenty five, but he'd get fifteen of those when they're down by fifteen or something like that. Like is obviously not gonna say it's a letdown. You can't do what he did and be a letdown, but it, the highest of highs was a little bit too early. It just kind of came crashing down at the worst possible time unfortunately. course. So he'd been like, could you have taken that dip against the Knicks, and came back up? And that's only a bad part is when it, when it was needed most. It was like, well, damn, there's not a whole lot you can do there. While the other side has two flamethrowers that can't miss on top of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, as far as the plus minus thing goes, I mean, that's tough to to, 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 to blame a guy when he went up against Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in a series where basically if one wasn't on the court, he's matched up with the other one. So, of course, as far as plus minus goes, you're going to struggle if you're not scoring 30 a night every single night and not getting 12 plus you know boards, 12 plus assists, because Jason Tatum averaged a double-double these playoffs. And that's tough to, tough to match up with. You had Jalen Brown almost averaging a double-double during these playoffs. He was just a couple rebounds shy so it's it's tough when you have jimmy who is giving you points but he wasn't really giving you the other stats until that celtic series where he had to figure out a way to give you that give you the other stats when gabe vincent kayla martin those guys started, finally started stepping up but it's tough when you look at the plus minus and you're like oh he had the worst plus minus. it's like eh. but let's look at the what actually happened in his matchups like his matchups were jason tatum and jalen brown as far as where he gets the plus-minus stats from. Maybe he didn't match up with them every defensive series. It doesn't matter because they just go straight position to position in that oh, plus-minus. I, so that's, that's so
1: I was talking about like when he was on the court plus-minus, like the, the team overall, not just individual plus-minus. It was like the team oh, okay. 48 so, points lower. That, yeah. that was why I was...
0: Concerned. Yeah, I, I get it. I, the individual plus-minus. Still tough still t- when you're, again, going against Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown every time you're on the court or Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, everybody else that's on the Nuggets that was shooting lights out. It's, it's tough. I don't know. I have a hard time giving getting on on jimmy for this one it's just i think at the end of the day this is just a situation where we just saw too much to handle and not enough firepower in the you know in the chamber there for for the for the heat you know what? maybe the heat bringing a
1: Kyrie irving or a james harden in the offseason just to add a little more firepower
0: who knows? Uh, who knows definitely james harden should not go to that team <laughs> he would not be doing any better shooting the ball if you if you watch these playoffs Turning all, down open layups. He, i don't think he'd do pretty
1: well just sitting there on the side when he doesn't have the ball as well too so i think that would be no. a little bit of an issue but I imagine they'll be back. They'll be fine. They just gotta stay healthy. I was just happy to see Duncan Robinson came back as well too. But Jimmy, Jimmy and Bam, they need some help. Maybe Tyler Hero makes a little bit of a difference. We'll never know. Honestly, we'll we'll never really quite figure it out. So, and I agree. Since that injury, especially since that ankle tweak, he was not. He did not look 100 percent consistently as well. So that speed of tough too because
0: he he Go fell on. in love with that that fadeaway falling out of bounds type of shot too. And that's that's a tough thing to consistently hit. But he really fell in love with that after the injury too. And that's also another part of it that it's like, Oh, well if we just force him to his right, he's going to do that stupid shot. So let's just keep forcing him to his right. Like it's just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And I also
1: do want to point out too, he fell in love with that damn pump fake. And I will style on this. He don't need to pump fake four times. Every time you get in the basket, he needed to sometimes just go straight up with it as well. too. It's great to pump fake, get him to get him to collapse and kick out, but they're NBA players, if I can see it and complain about it for two, for three episodes in a row, I guarantee they can as well. But we talked about Jimmy. Now we'll go to the other side because you can't talk about the finals without giving the flowers. And well, the Nuggets obviously we already talked about in five, but that was led by none other than the Joker. And now the question comes to comes similar like when Giannis won his, when Steph got the one last year. Where is Joker going to start ranking all time? You got two fi- two regular season MVPs, a bunch of ridiculous stats. You want to go into the PER and the super advanced nerdy stats? That I don't know all of them. He's incredible. Now you got a finals and a finals MVP and an all time finals run, not just. Their win-loss record by his performance, was it 12 triple-doubles in the playoff run? I think the most all-time in a, in a playoff run. Like, at this point, where do we start to rank Jokic? I mean, he's obviously top 50. He was already, already top 75. I mean, you make a case he's plays, You make a case that he's in that top quarter quarter area in that top 25 at this point. Where, where do you think in the heat of the moment, possibly too early and too emotional, do we start putting Nikola Jokic on this all-time ranking?
0: Uh, by the way, he has 16 career triple-doubles in the playoffs, which... Wow, is now only only twelve behind Magic Johnson in all time. So considering he play. did at
1: least ten of those in this playoff too, like not too bad.
0: Yeah, no. So okay, from the okay, this is tough because big guys in the modern game have changed so much from, let's say, the early two thousands. We had I still say the biggest, the best center of all time. You have Shaq. Does he ever ever gonna pass Shaq? No. Then you have Hakeem. You have Duncan. Uh, you have a uh, not Tim, not Tim Duncan. Sorry. Uh, you have David Robinson. Then you have, yeah, Kareem, you have uh, Dikembe. Does he rank over any of them? No, probably not. I might give him I don't know, man. See, because Dikembe's offense was just as good as his defense, and his defense was pretty dang good.
1: I don't know. His offense was, I'm seven two. And yeah, a little but, like, I mean,
0: <laughs> Jokic's defense is, let me kick as many balls as I can, considering he had 40, 52 kickballs in these in, in, in the season, including playoffs, uh, which yeah, is an all-time gonna- record by yeah, the way, and supposed- it was yeah. about, it was 44 more than the, the next closest player, 44 more than the next closest player, Um, but I okay, let's just be very clear and say Jokic is a top 10 all-time center, easily, easily, 100%, like, we're uh, talking eight 40%. or
1: seven probably,
0: but does he get into that top five all-time centers, no, not, not yet. yet for me. And so that, for me, if you're talking all-time, that puts him around ranking, right? Still right around that 25 mark, 18 to 25 mark. And that's nothing against him. And it's just, there's a lot of good centers in the league, a lot of good power forwards in the league that have played all-time, great shooting guards and and small forwards and point guards. I mean, so it's like you have to get, until he gets in the top five of centers, I can't even start talking about him being in the top 10 all-time or even the top, really the top 15 all-time because of the the ranking there, but yeah, it's, and, and this is, this is actually 100% a fact, not top five, unless he learns to play defense. And I do mean like a real defense, not let me kick the ball. So now mind you, it's a smart play because you don't lose anything. You just get, they get the ball back with the time on the currently on the clock. So if there's like 4.7 seconds on the shot clock, they get the ball side out from with 4.7 seconds. So it's a great strategy. It's just, and it's probably something that's going to end up changing the game. They're going to end up changing that ruling probably next year. But it's not defense, and you know, right now, I you, I still have the question of is he better than than Joel Embiid?
1: I'm gonna. And, com- and that's my ultimate yes, question. Man. Me personally, I'm gonna comfortably say yes right now, though. But I get what you're getting at as well. But
0: what? Jokic wouldn't have Jokic would only have one of those MVPs had it not had it not been for the voters kind of screwing Joel Embiid.
1: You could make the case this year too that Jokic had a good chance for it as well. I think get the six and one end, half a dozen the other. Either way, when I it's it's tough. It's, it, that's how close it has been, minus that first one. He clearly won the first one. I think there's no debate about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, was a, that was a runaway. Yeah. But when I look at it, too, I think he's not top five in centers. He's probably around that 25 ish or so mark. I also kind of categorize him as that center versatile because of the way he plays point center, forward guard, whatever the hell he wants to at that point. How he runs the offense so different. Like, I don't classify him as just a back to the basket yeah. pull up center, but like, we're like, there's Hakeem, there's Kareem, there's Shaq. Those three still got quite a bit of distance. Then there's still the Wilt and the Bill Russell and a few guys like that. Yeah, and I didn't even include Wilt. Yeah, there's Moses. So he's centers seven to eight-ish range, which is still outstanding. Like it's, This is right now when he's 31 years old or something like that. Like he's got time if he wants to. He's got some growing room. Top 25-ish all-time. I think he's he's higher 25. on the all-time than he is 20, even better. Like the plenty of time if he wants it. So I think he's... It's kind of like when Giannis won his title. I was like, well, here we go. He's best player in the world, and now he's got room to explode. And the only difference was Giannis had defensive player of the year on his resume, but he can't hit the broad side of a barn from the free throw line sometimes. So we're splitting hairs, but I do think Jokic has cracked into that top 30 for sure. I think we'll have to oh, wait. Yeah. To see. I think defensively, we, we're we all in agreement. So I want to see him not just be a big body. At the, like He does a good job getting the way, maybe gets a block here there because he's a big body. But I want to see him start to kind of lock up the paint a little bit more, which at the same time, he doesn't really have to, but that'd be, I think that'd be the next step in his game to make him right now. You can make a case. He's the best player in the world. I think that'd make him a little more undisputed if he could pull something like that as well, but either way, not taking away from this playoff run, because he went from the guy who can't win in the postseason but racks up all the awards to the, where they were convinced people were convinced he was a stat pattern. to now he's a champion where his best performances came in the biggest moments as well. I mean, even against the Lakers in that final possession, he made, he's the one who drove baseline and went through a double team to get a layup to give them the lead in that game four. So yeah, I'd I'd say he's definitely he's a Hall of Famer locked in. If he decides now nah, I'm going to go play with my horses, I'm not playing this basketball thing anymore. I'm going home. This parade ruined it for me. We're gonna. I'm staying in Serbia. I'm not coming back. So he's surefire first bout Hall of Famer right now. With he's chasing he's chasing some big names and he's he's got a little bit to go. But he's 28 years old. You can't ask for a better position if that's the goal. Which for him he yeah. does not. too. Do you know what's about.
0: I, and I, I, I do have I do will say he's probably top three in personality um, to ever play the game as far as like look I mean how often have we seen European players just be really completely buttoned up I mean you have really laid back guys like Dirk and Manu uh, Tony Parker who was very buttoned up with it with his way I mean I guess you could say Tim Duncan technically as a foreign player was was about was about as fun of a personality as, as a you know wet paper bag um, but Jokic is actually like entertaining I mean his expression when they are like. The, the 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 parade's Thursday. No. <laughs> I will not go to the parade. I have to get home to my horses. Like I have horse racing this weekend. Like there's he was trying to he's like, Oh, I need to ask Stan if I can borrow the plane. Like, you know, that's just that's hilarious. I mean, that's quality content. He's also been giving this all time. But I will say, as I mean, if you want to talk of rankings for this guy, I gotta give him this, and this is a pretty easy one, and I feel like I'm shooting at like, you know, low hanging fruit yet again. Go figure I'm the guy that's picking low hanging fruit here. But best all time second round draft pick. Easily. I don't think there's a single question about that in the, I mean, you really, you could honestly say maybe the best all time, not taken in the top 20 of the NBA draft, because uh, I, I, there's not a lot of guys that were taken through that 21 through 32 or 30 range that I can really say that are, are maybe better than him on the all time list.
1: Frankly, when I think a second round picks, he's the first in the main name that comes up right now. There are some other, well, he's great the only
0: team. one to win an MVP. Exactly. The, that's yeah, one the only
1: that's, one. He's, it's a if he, there are others that are quite up there, he he's he's ahead of the short list. Like it's I'm having a hard time even thinking of any. So, pretty much yeah. an agreement. Jokic an all-time player, and still climbing if he wants to, and a re, and a real treat to hang around. Like when they were doing the champagne thing after, he's like, "Yay, I'm done." He he, he didn't even
0: get half <laughs> of the bottle to come out of there, and then walked away. It really like it reminds me of a more expressive Tim Duncan in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have, I, okay. So I have a question about this because he of who he reminds me of is a lot of a combination of Tim Duncan and and Pau Gasol. Could you say that maybe he is potentially, not Tim Duncan-wise, but Pau Gasol? Has he he surpassed Pau Gasol as maybe the greatest ever international center? It depends. I guess like European center, I should say.
1: In that case, I'd say yeah, because I I still think Hakeem, uh, he still qualifies as an international center from what I understand too. So I'd still have him higher on there, but every other international player, I think you can make the case he surpassed Dirk. Overall, I think they're pretty close. I think they're relatively close overall just because the one extra MVP, really, and and the eye test as well. I think they're really close. So I'd say he's in a really, really elite category, When you, even whether you break it up, even when you go with the international players, who there's a lot of really good ones. And I think he's, it's a very, the cream at the crop is very, very tight, and he's in that mix for sure. So all-time, yeah. especially big men, it's probably him and Hakeem. I'd have to actually go down and like look through it, but I can't think of really anyone else on that all-time big man list, power forward and center, that's not up there. Yeah, I mean,
0: I'm the same. I'll say it's, it's tough for me, too. I think Hakeem maybe still has the edge. Um, I, but, again, that's, like, what we just talked about. Like, you know, Hakeem is right there at, at, like, five six in the centers list. And, you know, Jokic is right there nipping at his heels. I mean, it just takes one more season of what Jokic has been doing. And it's like, oh, okay, well, Jokic is that dude now. Like, here you go. Honestly, if he just got an all-defensive team at any point, like, it could be an all-defensive second team at this point. I'd be like, okay, right, yep, Jokic is, is a top-five center. Like, I think it's that, that close for him to potentially be a top five center just because he's so good offensively. It's hard to take away a lot when he can do what he can offensively, even though he doesn't play great defense.
1: Watch him randomly lead the league in blocks now, or just something absolutely was like, Oh, well, okay, that's new. There's a wrinkle in your game that we weren't quite quite ready for. You can't jump over the phone book, but you seem to be able to pin the ball off the backboard with ease now. So definitely, we'll definitely see. I'm definitely curious to see if this change is moving forward because I know the Nuggets are talking dynasty. You know, they're probably thinking multiple. I'm curious what... Maybe we'll see how that goes. We'll definitely, definitely something we'll keep an eye on. We're not going to start looking into next year's playoffs that just ended or anything like that. So that'll do it here for the tip off as well. So that's now going to take us into the second, fa- Kelsey's second favorite part of every show. That is the main event. And for the main event, we're bringing back a classic. We're going to do some rankings, but not your tra- traditional rankings. We're going to talk about athletes that you want to hate, but you just can't seem to do it. No matter how hard you tried, you always I mean. seem to fail. You want to hate them. You despise them, but you can't quite seem to. You just can't quite seem to get it. So, and you know, we might follow this up in the future and do top five athletes you want to like, but you just can't let us know if that's. Oh, something I have a lot a, to, for that list. We definitely got a lot. So, you know what? For this one, I'm going to let you take the lead. Tell us on your first one. Give us your give us the first on your list. All
0: right, so I'm going to go the least, I guess, liked, but most wanted to hate. I don't know <laughs> how this. I'm going to go five to one. That's how we're doing. Like I'm just going bottom to top on my list because oh, my yeah, number no. one is yeah so i have i have mine in order uh but number one uh, number five i guess is chipper jones uh grew up obviously a giants fan giants braves through that time frame were an no west rivalry chipper jones responsible for a lot of pennants going to the braves and not the giants and honestly i just felt like that southern dude needed to shut the heck up a lot and i got super tired that he could do so well on both sides of the plate but at the same time you learn to love a guy like that. I respect his, I respect his ability, and that makes me kind of love the guy in the same way that I can hate the guy. And that's kind of the theme of my entire list for, yeah. for a lot of ways. Um, they're all a little bit personal in a way, but, uh, yeah, Chipper. And then as I, as I grew older, seeing Chipper at events and seeing how he interacted with fans and things like that, that's how every athlete should act in a lot of ways. He is really one of the more humble guys. He's an off shucks type of guy, and it doesn't make sense for a guy that at the, one of the points in time in his career was one of the highest paid third basemen of all time. So it's, it's tough to be like, oh, that guy should, you know, not be a, a jerk at times. But he's really not. He's actually a pretty humble southern dude. Just likes his farm, likes his whiskey, um, likes to hit baseballs left or right. So, yeah, I'm going to go Chipper Jones. This is a guy I would love to hate, but I just can't do it.
1: With him, when it comes to him, I respect his game, but I kind of hate the Braves. So I think that's where it's like, you wear a Braves uniform, I kind of hate you. And once you get that Braves uniform off, it's fine. It's like a lot of Yankee players as well, too. Like even Aaron Judge right now, it's like, I think I'd like you if you didn't have those ugly pinstripes on you. Just different situations like that. And you know that's a perfect segue to my first one, because for that exact same reason is why I have Derek Jeter on this list. I wanted, to, I wanted to hate him so much. The captain, all those damn World Series, the coolest guy around all the time. But I just really couldn't. There's like there's no reason to hate him. He's a Hall of Famer with like the least Hall of Fame stats when you really look at it. He's like his num- no season that he ever had was that outstanding. He was never like top five in batting percentage or anything really like that. He was just a really good player who was really really cool in New York, so everybody loved him and happened to win a lot and was kind of, and was a leader and a really good obviously a really good fielder. But like you don't go to, you don't necessarily go to the Hall of Fame just for being a good fielder. You got to be able to crack the bat. Look at Omar Vizquel. Fair play, but normally you don't, I should say. No, no, no,
0: I'm saying Omar Vizcala, 13 gold gloves, has not been to the Hall of Fame. Oh, okay, gotcha. So That's a travesty,
1: but we won't get into that. But my point is, with Derek Jeter, I really, really wanted to hate him for all those reasons, but I just really couldn't. Like, he's a a really good player. He's a really likable guy. He's a smart guy, too. When he used to throw parties, he used to require people to put their phones in the basket, was the old rumor, so they couldn't do anything like that. Smart guy, quality businessman, has winning all the time, so... I hate him because of the Yankees, probably, and because at the same time, it, it bugs me how he's arguably regarded as a one of the better players of a generation. But then when you look at the numbers and stuff like that, it's like, nah, just a pretty good player. But I, I want to hate Derek Jeter, but I just can't find a way to do it. I, I'm going to blame the Yankees on this, but I, Jer- Derek Jeter is the first one on my list.
0: Yeah, I mean, I love Derek Jeter. I got I got to be honest. I can't hate the guy. I grew up watching him play. Loved his story, um, kind of hometown kid there playing in New York, but more importantly, as the kid I was, uh, he was the second ever MLB athlete, Major League Baseball athlete, to get a deal with Jordan to have his own shoe, uh, the Jeters. And yes, I did own a pair. They were maroon and black, and they were absolutely fantastic. I also owned a pair of the Swingmans, which is the Ken Griffey's, the first ever Jordan athlete uh, for 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 baseball. So, um, fun fact for you there. But yeah, no Jeter is one of those guys. He's very unique in a. In a time frame where there were so many great defensive shortstops and then alternatively so many big time shortstops like Nomar and Cal Ripken and other things. Derek Jeter just somehow stood out for a lot, of way, a lot of ways like Tim Duncan. He never really excelled beyond what he had to do to get his team to win. And that's the thing I think makes him so successful and makes him so popular is that he did what he needed to do to win. You talk about that play against the A's. Derek Jeter should have never been in that position to flip the ball to, the, to Jorge Posada to, to get Jeremy Giambi out at, play, at the plate. That should have never happened he should have never any anybody who knows baseball knows that is being in the incorrect position and you will get yelled at and have to run flagpoles for years on end from your coach so that's just what made Derek Jeter great and it's it's tough because like I do love Derek Jeter but I can definitely see why a lot of people wanted to hate him and just couldn't because he is that kind of guy and you never saw bad bad press about him ever maybe it is because they threw the, the phones in the basket like it
1: it's exactly the point. Like you wanna hate him for a lot of reasons, but you just can't. Like you have to like you have to have animosity in your heart to go find him. If you unless you're exclusively hatred of the pinstripes, and that's kind of understandable because Yankee's really Well he is him. the pinstripes. Exactly. <laughs> that's where the hatred probably originates from from a lot of people too. But as the person, if you can separate it even as yeah, there's no, there's not much more. Kelsey, I'll let you go
0: on your next one. We could probably go on this one for a while. So I'm gonna go baseball again. Uh surprise, surprise, the guy who just talked about his love for the Giants. Hates a Dodger, almost, and he can't really hate the Dodger. And that's Clayton Kershaw. Uh, I'd love to hate Clayton Kershaw as well. But fantastic pitcher. He's absolutely what every lefty should aspire to be in his young career. He is the only reason Tim Linscombe didn't have three Cy Youngs before uh, prematurely retiring. And honestly, one of the most long, like longest-serving quality left-handed pitchers in the NL to ever play the game. You, again, he's a Dodger. I should hate him with all of my heart. But you see what he's gone through in this later part of his career. You see what he did early in his career, and he never did it with malice in his heart. He never, like, obviously there was like, oh, it's the Giants, I should hate the Giants, like, oh, of course. But he never really did it with malice in his heart. He's never been one of those guys that disrespected the game in a lot of ways. You know the unspoken rules of baseball. He's always been, you know, kind of level headed. Obviously on the mound, it shows a lot of emotion. But he's one of the guys you can actually just watch his game, and you just you respect it. Like, there's just no other way to put it than you just respect his game in a lot of ways. And and that's why Clayton Kershaw is a guy I'd love to hate, but I just can't do it.
1: I get that one as well, too, especially because, like you said, kind of Roger Boyle had come a little bit there as well, too. Like, there's a lot of reasons there. And, yeah, I, I get what you mean as well, too. And it, I, it's the same thing with Jeter. Like, I always kind of liked him, even though I hate the Dodgers as well. So mine was kind of a – mine was almost your same thing with Jeter. Like, I loved his game, I guess is what I should say. But I, I get exactly what you're saying. It's like I want to despise him, but it's really – it's another one it's really hard to do like there's no good reason to do it I could do it just to be a spiteful but I couldn't find a good reason to yeah that's exactly right so next I'm gonna go to one who I'm going to basketball for this one and I just even when he retired I was a little bit more like uh, I don't know if I care for him but in his post career in his post uh playing careers when i started to like him a little bit more I'm gonna go with JJ Redick the sniper from Duke in those two mid 2000s with Mike Krzyzewski he was, he was such a butthole when he was at Duke. Like, gosh, I wanted to root against him at all times. Just the way he walked, he was a fantastic shooter, a good player. But he walked over, the way he, when you watch him on the court is always almost like strutting the shoulders, shooting it, firing, talking trash. But he was a catch and shoot guy, basically. A great one, 40% from three in college before a three point shot was like it was. And at Duke, on top of when you mentioned, we all know about the Duke thing, especially during those era, that era in college. Look back to Christian Leitner, Grayson Allen. Like, Duke has a history of players that you want to hate. And he was kind of in that category early. Gets to the NBA, never is the superstar that he was like coming out of Duke, where everyone thought, "Oh, he went to a perfect situation with the Magic, where all they do is catch and shoot when Dwight Howard kicks it out to him." Really, because they double team him. The problem yeah. was Dwight Howard never kicked it out to. Minus <laughs> him. Minus one NBA Finals run when you kick it out to him and Hidu Turgaloo and Jameer Nelson, but other than that, it was yeah. like you said, it wasn't a whole lot. But. In his post, his game, his his job as a podcaster so is what made me really like him a little bit more too. Like, obviously at ESPN, it's fine, I guess. I but his what he does is his podcast and his own thing. Has really made me like him. He sees the mind for the game. He's a lot more articulate. He's very articulate. He's very humble sounding. He gets the game compared to when you saw him at Duke and it was like I would smack him so hard. Plus, he had that same that same spiky haircut too. Like he just had the look of a guy you you automatically didn't like. You always seemed like he was he looked like he said he was the guy that would say my poop don't stink. That's kind of the aura he gave off, especially at Duke and early on in his NBA career. But as it, as he comes on, as you got a chance to hear from him as well, too, I think I just can't find myself hating him. As much as I didn't care for him as a young and right now, I you got to respect his game, what he did then and what he's doing now.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I definitely, I can't lie. I hated JJ Redick at, at Duke. <laughs> he was also part of one of the best trios of Duke, in Duke history, um, one of the more underrated trios of Duke, Duke history as well. Obviously, now the new head coach of Duke, part of that trio. Uh, but, you know, it's it's. Interesting to see his, his progression because he was 100% a guy I hated with a passion. Mm. And it might have been, uh, maybe it was because I watched him play with Hidu Turkoglu as much. And Hidu Turkoglu kind of has a soft spot in my heart, obviously, with his time mm. with the Kings. Um, and then, I, you know, I watched him accept his role as that catch-and-shoot guy in his career and not try to be something else. And I think that was the moment where I was like, oh, God, okay, do I like this guy? And then seeing, his, seeing him afterwards as a more level-headed basketball anal- a- analyst, and really when he talks to athletes in general, he talks as from an experience of just being neutral with these athletes. He doesn't really talk in favor or out of favor with one of them when he's on when he's on ESPN, which is a huge change from current ESPN. And then on his podcast, he 100% keeps it as real as it gets, uh, which I love to see um, from, you know, cause we all, we all wondered what, like, okay. So for the Clippers, for example, when you have doc come out and say, Oh, that team would have never won. And then him and uh, him and Jamal Crawford are sitting there talking about that during his podcast. Like, Dude, when you hear that, what do you what do you what was the first thing cross cross you, crossed your mind? And then you know they just have a real conversation about it. You love seeing that from athletes because you love to see their more human side because all you know about is just their superhuman feats of, of of athleticism in a lot of ways. And then also hearing from his teammates throughout his career, like hey, he's just a hard worker. He's just a dude that goes out there and works. That's that. It's it's hard to not like a guy like that. So I, I definitely get the JJ Reddick commentary.
1: I will say him on ESPN is meh because he definitely plays a little bit of a character. Him on his podcast is spot on. And one thing he does really well is when he's talking with those athletes, he'll ask them the same questions everyone else does, but he'll ask them in a way where it's a little more inviting. It's not probing. it he gets a better answer from that way, I guess, if that makes sense. Like they'll talk to everyone else, Damien. So you leave and he'll be like, no, I'm loyal. And then he'll be like, you ever thought about leaving? Like, what do you think would happen if you did leave? Like, what would you, like, you know what I mean? Like he just words the question in a way that's more welcoming, more inviting, that sort of thing. Whether, they're in studio with him or remotely as well, too, like to the point where Duncan Robinson's talking with him in between games on the Eastern Conference Finals and stuff like that. So yeah. I think it, his, his post-playing career has definitely made him a lot more likeable. Well, and even when I look back on it, as much as I kind of disliked him, it's really hard to hate him, I suppose. But that, that's who I have next on the list. So Kelsey, let's go next on your list. I think it's going to gonna start to get real
0: interesting. Uh, before I go there, <laughs> I, I got to laugh about this one because
1: that was one of my honorable mentions.
0: Yeah, this is a, this is a guy that I definitely just hate. Um, you know, I don't know why. Maybe it's because he was a cowboy. I don't know. Uh, But it's a perfect segue into my next person on my list. Uh, And that is Dak Dakota Prescott. Uh, I would love to hate the guy. I've talked about it on this podcast so much, uh, how I think he is a statistical anomaly where it is a lot of garbage uh, time statistics. And since the injury, you haven't seen the best Dak, despite what everybody else wants to claim, which is he's a top five, top 10 quarterback. He's not. He's a 15 to 12 range quarterback at times. In the playoffs, he's a 18 to 22 range quarterback. Um, but you know what? Going through what he went through in his entire life, hearing the story, seeing, watching, literally watching this guy be used as a bulldozer in college to what he is now, it's it's hard not to root for the guy. And yeah, sure, I'm biased because I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm always hoping the Cowboys can pull something out because I've experienced nothing but misery as a Cowboys fan. I am not the bandwagoner that a lot of people might be as a Cowboys fan because truthfully, I've been only been a fan since they started losing. Uh, And that's a tough thing to be and a tough thing to admit. Um, And I'm, you know, but it's, it's, it's rare for me to be somewhat positive about a lot of Cowboys, but this is one, like you root for Dak to be what to do, to do well every time. But I still can't help, but like, be like, yeah, you could, you could replace him with a better quarterback or maybe just teach him to, to adapt. He just hasn't fully adapted, but I still can't hate him. So yeah, Dak's on my list here, right in the middle at three, but it's... Uh, I mean, this could go one way or the other by the end of yeah. his career. Honestly, I could I could end up loving him, I could end up hating him because whatever reason, but it, it's still hard to... It's, it's going to be hard to say, I hate the guy or I dislike the guy, just knowing what he's been through and, and knowing his story.
1: I will say anyone who listened to our color cast from a couple of years ago is going to be surprised to hear this. Maybe if you said it back then, they'd have been like, well, hold on now. And then now we look at after the last season he had and the stress he pushed you through with some of those games. Surprised to see this one on there, but the same time, like you mentioned, from the personal level, it's very, very likable. Everything he stands for, like as a person, that sort of thing, too, on the field, kind of makes you want to run your head into a wall. At other times, the decision making there, some of the maybe the post game conferences here, or there, you just kind of want to smack yourself side of the head. But everything he's gone through, everything he's been through, everything he stands for, like on a personal level, agree with you one hundred percent. Like a very high quality guy. And I'm glad the Cowboys finally paid him too. Like they kind of yeah. left him hanging there for a little bit, but glad it was able to work out.
0: Yeah, one of the few times I'd say before an injury, a guy deserved to get paid. And like so still pay him after the injury. Because normally I'm like, oh, no, pay him what he's worth now. But no, Dak definitely deserved an actual pay raise from that late-round draft pick pay that he was getting beforehand.
1: Especially when we saw how bad the team was after he was out, too. It's not like it's like, all right, well, he's got a whole lot of leverage without having to even play, so this will work. So That one was a surprise to me. That's fun to see. Next one, I'm going to go ahead and if anyone's watched any of our lists over the years, you know, we like to bend the rules and Kelsey started this when we did our first ever top 10 rankings where he put two guys on two guys in one spot. So I'm going to continue the tradition of breaking the rules. We're not going with a single athlete here. We're going with a group and I'm going with the bad boy Pistons of the late eighties, early nineties. I want to hate them because Bill Lambeer looks like he smells like pee. Rick Mahorn is the ultimate enforcer. Isaiah Thomas, a fantastic, incredible top 20 player, but at the same time that the look on his face, you're just like, "Ah." and then of course you hear about the, Jordan rivalry, everything like that. But then, and then you also Joe Dumars as well. Like there's a lot of guys in there. They're just in the way they played the, they're called the bad boys for a reason. It wasn't just hard defense. It was, I'm trying to hurt you a lot of times, but at the same time, it's hard not to respect their game. I mean, three, maybe a finals appearances in a row, two W's and Isaiah Thomas, the 25 points in a quarter on that ankle. Talking about what Bill Lambert did defensively when he wasn't trying to hurt people. Joe Dumars, a pretty good GM, but was an incredible two guard. The more I look at them, I I want to hate them each individually and as a whole, but it's really a plus Dennis Rodman, who I almost overlooked. Who Dennis Rodman, you either love him or you hate him, it feels like, one way or the other. But this was also pre-that Dennis Rodman. This was a little bit more of a – this was a more basketball-centric Dennis Rodman at the time. So I'm going to put – I'm going to cheat. I'm going to put the whole Bad Boy Pistons as a unit here as the next one on my list. I, I want to dislike him, but I think it was the documentary I saw on them a few years ago as well, too. They really kind of helped turn the tide a little bit because they're – Honestly, it just feels like a group of really competitive guys that were sandwiched between the Lakers, Celtics, and then the Jordan era. And then they just kind of had to make their way, and they did that as the best in-between a dynasty's dynasty you could think of, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, I, uh, I respect that choice. And also, you left out one guy that I'm surprised you left out, and that's John Sally. The only guy that he's the one guy
1: that was not involved in this. Like, there's no hatred or even wanting to hate that.
0: Oh, I I have so much dislike towards John Sally because he's the one guy that didn't play major time for the Pistons that will will still claim those two championships that he got with the Pistons with absolute pride, even though he's had better movies than he had performances on the court. And that's saying something because he's been in a show with T.O. So let's 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 calm down, John Sally. And I, I mean, but no, I do get the rest of the bad boys. Obviously, that you talk about some of the greats of all time, and and there, Bill Ambeer does look like he smells like pee. There is no question about that. Rick Mahorn, I mean, yeah, that's just all I got to say about him. Uh, but everybody else, like you talk Isaiah, you talk Dennis Rodman, they may have been kind of weird, kind of out there, but you know that's what it takes to be great, and you respect their grind, especially Isaiah. I mean, you talk about the snub from the the dream team there as one of the biggest, uh, you know, most egregious moments in his career that's tough to tough to swallow there and he did it with pride and you know went on about his way and that's a just a care you know it tells you a lot about his character and obviously he's spoken about how yeah it hurt but like he's finally gotten over it but you know no you don't you don't ever get over it so it's it's one of those things i definitely get why you don't want to hate him but you definitely can especially you know growing up in in the michael jordan era where we were watching michael jordan in awe um, because we're watching him win championships four five and six during our lifetime And you're just like, wow, this guy is one of the is is the greatest like, you know, and Isaiah is obviously you hear hear about the history of him. So it's it's tough, you know, to to say that, you know, maybe you don't like him or or you hate him. But yeah, I'm right there with you. This this is one of those guys. This is my honorable mention. Maybe Um, I have a couple other honorable mentions, but I'm glad you broke the rules on this one because I actually followed him. So I'm glad you were the one that broke the rule.
1: You know what? You set the presidents. So I just kind of wanted to fit in there as well, too. It doesn't mean we do it every time, but uh, you know what? It's all good. But anyway, who do we have next on your list? Because now it's kind of getting interesting after the Dak Prescott one.
0: Yeah, so uh, this guy is definitely probably going to surprise some people because I've talked about him many a times, how much he frustrates the hell out of me. And that is Carl Anthony Downs, uh, the big man in Minnesota, the Great White North's uh, now, light Minnesota. beam, if you will. Yeah, maybe maybe somewhere else by the end of this off season. We'll have to wait and see, but look, uh, yeah, I I can't stand the fact you are such a good quality in the post player and you haven't played more than 20% of your your career as a post player. You have literally played 80% of the time as a perimeter scorer and you're only averaging 15 to 18 points in those games. When you decide you want to go play down low, Carl Anthony Towns is a 25 a night guy. Easy. And it'll give you ten boards, and he might even give you five to seven assists if he's really, really feeling himself. And he has shooters on the outside. But like, dude, he is absolutely felt criminal to what is the new age of basketball of this three point shooter. He wants to be a splash brother so bad. He saw Demarcus Cousins go and, and do what he did, and he's like, I'm better than DeMarcus, which Arguably, you could say that he could have been better than Demarcus if he learned how to play down low first and then develop the outside shot. But I get thicker in the chest too. The way like the way Demarcus yeah. just stood there and tried the background, he had to get thicker in the well, chest to be on that level. Here's the thing though, because Cat plays in the new era of, of centers, so there's not really many big men out there that can stop you other than Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic, and we all know one of those guys doesn't play defense. So you you know, hey, you, you have the quality talent to, to do it. And again, this is one like Dak where. Despite all the stuff on the court that frustrates the hell out of me, again, you talk about off the court, what he's been through with his family, what he's been through with just this team in general in, in Minnesota, what he's been through in his in his career, just trying to, you know, get to the playoffs, let alone get a win, and then everything else on top of it, all the tragic backstory that he has. It's just it's – a, it's a great time every time he steps on the court because it was so in question for so long that nobody knew if he was going to return after his mom, and – here he is, you know, still playing well. And arguably, at times this season, you could say that he was that guy for Minnesota. And wherever he goes next could be absolutely fantastic for him if he goes to the right position that actually, you know, maybe utilizes him down low. Um, but, you know, it's it, – yeah, Cat's the guy that, that, for me, there's a lot of frustrations on the court, a lot. But off the court, it does it does even out pretty well. And he seems like a very humble, wonderful, nice guy, everything like that as well.
1: It feels like there's never anything – my frustrations are he came out of Kentucky as an outstanding defender, and that hasn't quite translated as well. It seems oh, he's like his defense gotten a little <laughs> bit worse. Like, but I agree with you. Like a fantastic player who could be an elite player if he just utilized what should be his strength a little bit more. Use that three pointer depending on who's blocking you, or Use? depending on situationally, not as the focal point. Don't try to be the best shooting big three-point shooting big man ever. Not when you're like that. Do a couple more dumbbell bench presses have a couple more calories, get a little thicker in the chest. So when people try and back you down or when you try and back down to Marcus, he's not just sitting there like this and just watching you bounce off of his chest. We've all seen that screenshot on Twitter and other places. It's get, that way you can cook in the post against just about everybody. And then when they give you space or you get the ball and a kick out, then you can hit a three, but don't turn into a six foot 11 spot of three. I agree with you there, but fantastic human, everything you talk about this backstory always been a bit of a fan, even though it frustrates me. We got to see him in person once and we're like, why? But at the same time, okay. Yeah.
0: Like, yeah. Like fantastic player, just look, man. Use the tools that God gave you. Like God made you six foot eleven with a big body for a reason. He didn't make you a twig. He made you thick. Made you have a thick lower torso. That means a lot of things. What it mostly means, you can get leverage on anybody. And all you got to do is use the gifts that God gave you. It's not that hard. Just use them, and you'll. Telling you twenty five a night if he if he plays down low at least fifty percent of the season
1: i say like, he technically averages 25 despite all his goofiness. He might be able to give you a 30 if he spends more time in it like He might like you know, it's even possible. I'm, not, I'm he's not counting 2022 jump. and
0: 2023.
1: <laughs> that's fair. He can give you a clean jump. We know he's got a clean jump shot. Maybe turn that into a turnaround post shot, something like that, yeah. too. And we got something that we got that something.
0: KG, that kg pump fake like elbow elbow jumper. That would have been that's perfect in this game.
1: Exactly. Or even the old old Marcus Aldridge step out, like jab step pull up if they if they if they sag off. So big. Like, we agree. Big fan of Carlton Towns. We won't go into critiquing his game too much because I'm
0: sure we've had some people that aren't fans of him. Just, game. just go back to one of our old episodes. Trust me, I'm done enough critiquing of him. Right, anyway,
1: so we're gonna move on to the next one I have on my list, and I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go to the octagon. Of those I'm gonna go with the most polarizing, probably combat sports athlete ever, if not one of the top two or three. I'm gonna go with Conor McGregor on this one. He is kind of a jerk, obviously. Is he clearly looks like he's constantly drunk and off. Uh, all the time is what it looks like. Obviously don't know that, but it he seems unhinged, especially the last five or six years the, between the public incidents, the throwing the dolly, the trying the smashing the phone, the hitting the old man in the pub, everything like that. You, he always seems unhinged. He seems almost like a, like a gangster that made it, I guess, if that makes sense. Like it feels like that sort of thing that some of the weird, some of the things that he says are just brutal. And there is no line that is not crossed. But at the same time, he's a funny guy. And when he, when he goes into the cage, you know what you're going to get. He's not going to shortchange the effort. He's always going to go out there and put on a show. Whenever it's an event, it's, it is a special event. It's like you almost could just walk into a town and be like, oh, yeah, there's a McGregor fight here this weekend. You could just tell. He brings an entire country with him. He united his entire country and put them on the map in a sport where they had absolutely no standing for the most part. So I want to hate Conor McGregor. There's a lot of reasons to hate him, and I understand why a lot of people do. I've tried. I can't. I, I really can't. He said everything in the book to make it possible, but I can't fully get to hate. There are times I wish I, that he just didn't say things, but you know what? Respect to the man he's done. The man could buy everything a thousand times over. Good, good for him at this point. But at the same time, I want to hate him, but I just can't find a way to do it. He's just, he's just a funny guy. Sometimes and he's always puts on a show. He does what he needs to do. So give me Conor McGregor as an athlete. I kind of want to hate, but I just can't seem to find it. Especially young McGregor who had the skills that completely outshowed, that arguably outshowed the talk as well too.
0: Yeah, uh, Connor is definitely one of those guys you love to hate. I love the trash talk he can he can provide. Uh, also love that the fact that you brought up that he looks he looks like a gang guy that, a gang member that, that that made it from from Ireland because he punched one of the leaders of the Kinahan clan in Ireland which is one of the bigger gangs in Ireland and he supposedly had a 900,000 pound bounty on his head uh, following that that was back in 2017. so I find that hilarious that you brought that up because he might have joined a gang afterwards for protection. Um, and let's be fair, if you're a gang member in Ireland, they probably protect you pretty well, uh, after all their incidences, uh, to say the least, but no, yeah, it's, uh, Connor is definitely one of the guys you would, you, you, know, you could probably hate and it, a lot of people probably do. Uh, but at the same time, you'd love to watch him fight. I think there's no question about it, what he's able to do. And even in losses, I mean, it's entertaining and, or freakish or newsworthy. I mean, hate to bring it up, but the, the ankle break when he suffered that in the fight, that was like. It was awful. It was egregious. Couldn't but turn away. It, it, it made money and had great ratings. Like at the end of the day, the the fight with Floyd, it was like, well, this is stupid. Sold all the pay per views in the world in that one. Like, all right, well, okay. Like that's, I don't know, Conor. I'm with you. I, I would love, I would love to hate Conor, but he's done a lot for for MMA and, and and growing it. Not just in Ireland, but I'd say even in the U S. Because until he came around, I mean, there was. Questions of who the next superstar might have been,
1: and on top of that, all he's done for the country of Ireland as well too. Like you know darn well of the amount of money that's has fl- come into that place since he hung onto the map as well too. So, whole oh, lot to yeah. dislike about him, but it's hard to hate. He's a he's just weirdly hard to hate. But at the same time, there's a lot of people who will tell you otherwise. They'll tell you it's real easy to hate him. So, we're getting down to the nitty gritty of our list where these are ones where people are like, you don't hate that guy. So I'm gonna let you go first. Go and take the reins for the last one on your list.
0: <sighs> yeah. So this one, uh, I definitely should hate this guy. Um, rest in peace to him uh, and that is uh kobe bean bryant um i definitely should hate this guy uh he did so much damage to the kings and their possibility of making the playoffs in in my lifetime the only reason that the kings never made it to a uh, nba finals in my life and um will continue to be the reason why the kings can't d- d- didn't make it not just to the playoffs for so long but now maybe maybe not even the finals for so long and that's um, but Kobe is one of those guys you, you, you love, you wish you could hate him in a lot of ways, I'm not even just Kings fans there's just a lot of fans of basketball out there that you wish you could hate him, you know, LeBron stands, w- wish they could hate Kobe as well but you can't, you they have tried. to respect both both 8 Kobe and 24 Kobe for developing his game for adapting his game the way he did I mean, they'll talk about a guy who blew his Achilles out came back after a year off and was still great like, it was absolutely insane to watch um, you know, you don't just develop an outside shot, the way he did mid-career when he switched from eight to twenty-four, and you don't also turn in, turn yourself from an all-offensive you know player to oh, I'm gonna be an all-defensive stand. Like every single year, I'm gonna be competing for an all-defensive team, and that's what Kobe was. And you know, we're talking about maybe some people's goat in the NBA, and arguably top three greatest of all time in some people's eyes, top five for sure. And it's 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 tough to say. I, I wish I I, I Maybe didn't love him as much as I do, but I mean, hey, Kobe Bryant is on that list. I, I wish I could have hated him more, but uh, no, I, I definitely couldn't. And then all he did for the game after after his career, what he was able to do with his life in the short span after his career, it was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, sad situation to see him passing, but, you know, that definitely makes it so you definitely really can't hate, hate a guy like that. It was He did so much for the game, so much, not just for the men's game, but even for women's basketball, for WNBA, he was a, he was a, sta- a staple on the sideline of the WNBA games. So, um, you know, and look, Sabrina Ionescu has and, and a lot of new new WNBA players owe a lot of their ability. They have said it as much to their Mamba camps when they were kids. So that that means something. So, uh, you know, and everybody still talks about mama mentality. So, yeah, Kobe, definitely the guy on top of my list that wanted to hate him, just never could get the heart to hate him.
1: And on top of that, too, I think the one thing that he really does, too, that I think a lot of people, they, I think that's the reason is he is the epitome of a workhorse. It was always grinding. It wasn't like just a fat, lazy seven foot three guy that dunked on people. He was always grinding. The work ethic is that of legend up at 4 a.m. Sometimes like automatically working on Like the work ethic was that of legend. And you saw that in his game. You saw it in the transformation. Lots of reasons to dislike him. A lot of people did regardless. But, those, but there's a lot of reasons that make it hard to hate him. Plus you mentioned too what he did for the women's game. He coined the phrase girl dad, which is now one of the more popular yeah. phrases you will find in the world. It's a hashtag like everything he did for that as well. He's six in one end, half a dozen other, but I agree with you as well, too. It's, for me, it's really hard to hate him, but I, in the same vein as like some of the other ones, a lot of people still do regardless. They're, they're going to find a way as well, but for me personally, I'm kind of in the same vein as you. There's some, there are some reasons to hate him, but there's also a lot of reasons not to hate him as well. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap, the, wrap up my list here with number one on my list, and this is a very frequent player who maybe things will change because he is still very active and in his prime. I'm going with Super Bowl and regular season MVP, Patrick Mahomes. I want to hate him. I The the Kermit voice, the way the way he runs, it always looks so awkward. The way you could tell he talks trash, even in the new documentary coming out in the trailer they, after he did that little flip touchdown against the Buccaneers, he looked at the defenders like, yeah, I'm like that. You could tell. The way after plays, he's sometimes looking for calls, too. He's very flamboyant when he's trying to get a call or saying something to the refs and things like that. But it's still really hard to hate him. He does everything. Like, like he even said, he didn't know how to learn read defenses until halfway through his second year that he started or something like that. Like it took him a while to learn, but he's still is always competing, always out there playing. And even through injuries, he's still got that little bit of what we call like sports gangster in him. He's not trying to come out with that ankle injury against Jacksonville. Andy Reid had to tell him, you are either going to get looked at or you're not playing the rest of the game. Like he, he has. The, we saw when he went unconscious as well, too. He tried his hardest to stay to come back into that game, but they wouldn't let him, obviously. So. I want to dislike him. This And listen, we're not going to get into the catch-up on literally everything. I like catch-up as much as the next guy, but he overdoes it way too much. But And then there's the family. We won't get into the family family things as well, too. Like, we'll we'll leave those aside. But everything I want to hate about Patrick Holmes, I still can't do because I still come back to the point of he's a fantastic player and a high-quality person who's even saying, like, yo, I'll take team-friendly deals if we keep winning. I'm going to be here for a while. Smart endeavors off the court, a smart family, everything like that. So want to hate him. But I just can't really find a reason to like maybe I hate when he talks because of the Kermit voice a little bit. But like that's the most I can get right now. And the ketchup thing, the ketchup
0: thing I will hate for because you don't put ketchup on steaks and stuff like that, that there's rumors that he does. But otherwise, it's hard. to There's there's a whole commercial about it. So, I mean, I don't know how much of a rumor it can be.
1: I haven't seen it with my own two eyes. But, yeah, that's point stance. Like there's things that I hate about him mostly revolved around food condiments. But other than that, as a person, it's it's really hard to hate.
0: Yeah, no, fair enough. I hate I hate the catch up thing too. Uh, I mm-hmm. will add in I cannot get over the fact that you called his running style Mister Krabs uh, running. Well, oh, that's Kyler uh, Murray. I, well, oh, you're right. That's Kyler Murray. My bad. Now I, I'm thinking about it for Patrick Mahomes too, and it's not getting over. Now it's everything else as well. I just I get what you're coming from. I still love Patty, but yeah, I definitely get why you could want to hate him, but definitely can't. Especially being a fan of a team in the AFC, it's tough for your team to have any success when they have to play the Chiefs, guaranteed going into the playoffs, if not in the regular season as well.
1: Especially when after you get like a sack on third down, you're like, yeah. Then you see Patrick do that little thing where he has that look on his face, like someone just ripped one in his face, and then a flag comes out. Like I can yeah. see why people yeah. want to hate him, but I still can't do it. Like it's really hard. It's some people would probably be that way with Tom Brady. Like they're like, I want to hate him, but I just can't. Some people are that same way no, I, with I Patrick. I just, Tom Brady. There's a reason I pick Patrick Mahomes and not Tom Brady. But my point is, like, it's <laughs> it's it's really really hard to hard to hate him, and but. And no matter what, there's a lot of respect for his game and everything he does there as well. And we're not including the family stuff, so no one could chime in on that. We're keeping that part separate. But those will be our top five athletes you want tape, hate, but you just can't, Kelsey. I'll go ahead and let you recap your list for those of you just tuning in.
0: Yeah, so uh, number five on my list is Chipper Jones. Number four, Clayton Kershaw. Number three, Dak Prescott. Number two, Carl Anthony Towns. Number one, Kobe Bean Bryant. And
1: top five athletes that I, that I want tape, hate, but I just can't in no particular order. I got J.J. Redick, Derek Jeter, Putting the whole bad boy Pistons team on there, cheating and adding a th- whole team UFC star Conor McGregor and Super Bowl MVP Patrick Mahomes. So, this was a very fun list for us to do. Go ahead and let us know in the comments or anywhere on our socials as well. too, some athletes that you want to hate, but you just can't. Some we might have missed out on, some that you want that you think maybe are just blasphemous that we even put on this list. And let us know if you want us to do the invert like athletes we want to like, but boy, we just can't. No matter how hard we try, got, we can't. This might, that might have to be a top 10 list. That might have to be a full episode, but that's to go gonna, top twenty five. We, we might need to make that a series. But anyway, that's going to do it here for the main event. That's now going to take us into Kelsey's favorite part of every show. That is of course, crunch time, crunch time brought to you by our good friends over at outlier. Go to, go to outlier. backslash high low sports, get yourself a free seven day trial, best smart and not harder. Find the bet latest in trends, odds, and different things to go ahead and make sure you w- maybe win a little bit of money when you join the sports betting market. And for crunch time, Kelsey, I'm going to go ahead and lead the way on this one. I'm going to go and start. There's a lot of talk about the running back market right now. Jonathan Taylor coming out saying like, man, I don't. I hope they know my value. Saquon Barkley obviously kind of saying the same thing with the Giants. Like, not trying to reset the market. I'm just trying to get a little something, something. We know about the Le'Veon Bell thing. We see Josh Jacobs and guys getting tagged and all that sort of stuff. Honestly, it feels like since Zeke and Christian McCaffrey got paid, nobody's really gotten paid besides maybe Derrick Henry, who's the ultimate freak. I feel like the running back market. Obviously, you can get them a dime a dozen, quote unquote. But some of these elite guys should at least be paid like a number two receiver. Is what I'm thinking. You don't have to give them 19, 20 million dollars a year, but if you're a team, you shouldn't have a problem giving Saquon Barkley 14, 15, maybe even up to 16, considering what he meant for your offense last year. Considering what he did for Daniel Jones, If you're the Colts. You suck. You don't. You can't get rid of a guy like Jonathan Taylor. So you should be willing to pay him like 16, 17 million dollars while on a rookie contract and while you stink. Give people the reason to show up. You can look at. Josh Jacobs, if you're the Raiders, you kind of stink. It's Devonta Adams and Josh Jacobs. You should probably pay that, man. least if you have to, front load the deal. Make it a lot of money right up front. Take the hit early. So that way if they unfortunately tog early at the back end of it or something like that or Zeke at the back end, you're not as in flux. Do something like that, like especially these elite running backs. I know Austin Eckler's coming up for one soon, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's having some contract things. That dude was your leading receiver. You pay that, man. I don't care if he is 5'6". He is 220 pounds of solid brick. He is as healthy as it gets on that team that is consistently riddled with injuries. He seems to be the one healthy mark. So I think for as far as the running back market goes, we need to reset it in a way to where it's a little conducive. Obviously not all running backs can get paid like number two receivers, but if you're in that top five category, like even looking at Nick Chubbs and guys like that who I think Nick Chubb should be up in a couple of years, you got, you got to find a way to pay them, especially when they're in their 25s. You shouldn't get the tag, tag, let them go. I almost feel like running backs should be immune to the franchise tag, almost. Not going to go that far, but it feels close.
0: No, that's that's fair. By the way, Eckler runs out his contract at the end of this season, so um, there we yeah, <laughs> definitely definitely need to pay the man. No, I agree. Uh, ever Ever since Zeke, and which is totally understandable to not pay uh, anybody after seeing Zeke's contract and and what ended up happening to the Cowboys after that, uh, it makes a lot of sense. But yeah, it does it does make you question. Like we've seen it a lot over the last 10, 15 years, really since we saw the demise of LT and and some of those greats from the from the early two thousands. I mean, it's been just kind of downhill for the for the for the market and as far as running backs go and i mean goodness you're, you're lucky to see a guy get 10 million a year as a starting quality running back i mean it's it's tough to see whereas you have quarterbacks that are mid getting 30 to 40 million a year um and that's it's a tough tough thing to watch um and, and especially when you consider so many of these guys are number one producers on their teams and they're some of them are bad teams which is why their careers end up so short and so that's a, that's a tough thing to see, but yeah, I know it is interesting to watch the, the running back market and how it ends up uh, at the end of the, this off season for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But, I, I hopefully see some of these guys get paid just a little bit more in one way or the other. I mean, it's, I know the, the war, one workhorse running back days are pretty much gone, but if you've got an elite playmaker, you should be paid like an elite playmaker. And Le'Veon Bell is kind of the story. He wanted to get paid like a number two receiver. They wouldn't do it. And well, unfortunately he, his career kind of went downhill And this, we all know that story, but, anyway so crunch time uh, Kelsey looks like you got a little something something we're gonna head back to the hardwood for this one
0: yeah so speaking of guys that need to get paid Bradley bill uh, and by the way he doesn't really need to get paid he just needs to get yeah. a new new home because he, he has a nuts. whole lot of money for the next four years owed to him uh four years starting at 46 point seven million next year 50.2, 50 point two million, and 57 point one with a player option and 27 so guy has a lot of money on the on, on riding here and, and the, Wiz- the wizards are reportedly Asking around for a trade and trying to work with Bradley Bill because, by the way, he's the only NBA player with, an, with a no trade clause. Surprise. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, like it's surprising that he is uh, the only one still remaining, but hey, here he is. And, well, we're, 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 we're starting to see maybe he might not go anywhere, but he probably ends up going somewhere for a whole lot of packages. Uh, Celtics have been mentioned. You have a lot of teams. That are are a lot of people thinking that maybe they're going to they're going to send, you know, Brogdon, Pritchard, Gallinari, a first round pick and not re-sign Jalen Brown and keep Tatum somehow. I don't know how they're going to afford that, but it's absolutely insane to look at uh, with Bradley Bill and and think about how great of a player he actually is. You talk about unsung heroes. You mean, he's a lot of a lot of ways like Jimmy was before his really the last three seasons with the Heat where he's a top quality player, but at the same time. Nobody really gives him the love. Bradley Bill is the same way. He's top 20 shooter or top 20 player in the, in the league probably. And maybe one of the best outside shooters in the game and just purest shooters in the game. Very Joe Johnson-esque in his game and doesn't get the love he deserves because he plays in Washington. And there's nothing really happening out there in that franchise. And now it's a question of where he goes. Is there some way maybe the Spurs package a first that first overall pick and, and maybe flip him for uh, – them to get him in the Spurs and seeing the look on your face. Obviously, I agree. Uh, Juan Benyama over Bradley Bill all day long. But there's a lot of po- a possible trade destinations for Bradley Bill. But I don't have an, a, a guess here, but I'm very interested to watch this as it goes forward because there's a lot of money on the table and there's not a lot of teams that can afford to send out four, five, six different guys uh, to try to get get him on uh, at the end of this this off season.
1: Simple. Long story short, the dude's a bucket and it can get a bucket as, with, with just about any of them as well, especially when he's healthy. A few years ago, he led the league in scoring, if I'm not mistaken, or he finished second because of an injury. Either way, he's right there. If I'm looking just a few teams off the top of my head, that should find a way. The Bucks, if you could find a way to keep Drew Holiday and Giannis, get rid of everything else because that will help things so much. And Drew Holiday gives you the defense. Miami, obviously there's been some rumors there. I don't know what you'd have to give up and how you'd be able to make that happen. <laughs> yeah, you'd, pretty, you'd, you'd have to have a lot more undrafted players next year if you wanted to keep Jimmy and Bam. So there's some work to do there. The Sixers, I don't know how they do that. You'd have to lose Tyrese and I don't think that's quite worth it either. But I mean, if you could find a way, that'd be great. Then maybe Portland, it, is, it wouldn't be a good winning fit, but it would be fun to see him and Dave in the same backcourt. It would be like well, him and CJ McCall cranked up to 11. Like if it would, Dave's it would still six around. Like it's, I don't think they're winning. I think because they have no front line, no depth, and neither one of them is really playing defense or is a true two guard size. Because I think Beale's only at about 6'4, but it sure would be fun to see those two lighted up. But those are just a few options that kind of came to mind. But I think there's a lot of options for Bradley bill. And like you said, there's a lot of money to be moved. So there's, it's going to take some effort to make it work.
0: Yeah. It's going to be very interesting to watch. I mean, you'd love to see obviously a pair up like that with Dame and Bradley bill, but you just don't see it happening. It'd be too much like Kawhi and PG in in my eyes, um, which might be a a situation where maybe he ends up at the Clippers, maybe with Kawhi or PG. uh, And the other one goes the other way. That'd be how you free up that money. Maybe no idea, no idea what the wizards are thinking here, but it'll be very interesting to watch.
1: Absolutely. For sure. So, like we did last week I'm going to go ahead and round us out with just a few just a few words from the heart here really quickly as well just have a few things we want to say there's a lot going on in life we like to joke we like to have fun here we talk a lot about sports we like to we just like to have a good time but there's a lot of seriousness that goes on in the world as well I want always keep an eye on your surroundings make sure that the people make sure you treat everyone that you know the way they deserve there's how do I want to word this you never you never know what someone is feeling so in, you never know in case if you care about someone, don't let, leave it up to interpretation because tell them what they're worth it. Tell them that you're committed to them, they're worth having around, that you appreciate them because you never know if they're looking for it cause, and you never know in case. And if no one is telling you, just know you are always worth it as well. There's love for you. There are strong pillars. And I, it kind of all brings me back to one of, we talked about Jokic earlier, and I think I'm going to round out the show with him just to be safe. He had an absolutely phenomenal quote recently as well. I'm going to just go ahead and read it verbatim. If you want to be successful, you need to be bad. Then you need to be good. Then when you're good, you need to fail. Then you, then when you fail, you need to figure it out. There is no short, shortcuts. Life is a journey. Part of that journey includes having support from those who matter from you the most and supporting those who matter to you. Matter to you. So always be sure to tell those that you care about that they're worth it. Even if you feel like it's obvious, even if you think they already know it, you can never say it too many times. So just wanted to get a few nice heartfelt words out here as we go ahead and round, round out the show. We do appreciate you all for listening and tuning in with us today. It is always a pleasure to have you all here to talk about sports and just hang out with us, whether it's here live with us or you check us out later on in one of your favorite podcast apps or on YouTube or anywhere else. We're going to go ahead and round this show out. We thank you all so much for joining us, and we'll see you guys again next week.